Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Town Hall Academy, the aftermarket's original weekly single topic summit for the forever automotive aftermarket student. This is episode 149, and we're talking about overcoming financial challenges. The panel includes three shop owners that bring their wisdom to bear on the discussion. You know, the money pitfalls, you know, you can't just keep track of what you want to keep track of. You got to keep track of everything. The cracks can become very big where all your profits will just fall through them. You owe it to your customers to charge them enough so that way you'll be there when they need you next. Welcome automotive aftermarketers to a Remarkable Results Radio Town Hall Academy. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm Capriato here, the Aftermarket Podcast Guy. Welcome, welcome to another great lesson on business finances and leadership. And I want to thank the sponsors of the Town Hall Academy who make the premier aftermarket podcast free each and every week for you. Hey, let's talk for a moment on management software. 2020 is coming. If you've not thought about your management software this year, it's probably time. Shopware, shop management is transforming the way shops like yours do business by giving you tools to increase your sales while delighting your customers. Go to shop-ware.com for all the details. And are you aware that at Jasper Engines, in addition to their strict quality remanufacturing processes, Jasper improves the drivetrain's component's original design so that it runs longer and better than when it was new. It's their signature. Check out their featured engine and transmission pages at jasperengines.com. Hey, do you know someone who's struggling to grow a great automotive service business? Well, please put them in touch with this podcast. Now, I know they'll thank you as they find a treasure of insights, ideas, and best practices that they can use each and every day to make some bold decisions in turning around their business. Send them to remarkableresults.biz slash insider or just share this episode. And did you know that we hold the Academy live on Facebook every Friday, and then we repurpose the audio and video as a podcast the following week? Now, this makes the Town Hall Academy available to every aftermarket professional via your desktop or smart device anywhere in the world. And we're serving up a strong discussion on financial challenges right here, right now. With me are shop owners John Long, Shirts Automotive, Shirts Texas. Tom Ham is here from Auto-centric in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Andy Massal, Detroit Garage from Farmington, Michigan. You may not be surprised as to the big takeaway from this episode. It's only logical, and it'll have a huge impact on your business immediately. This team also agrees that your family needs to be on board with any financial decision you make in the business. Now, you'll also get advice on what to do if you get into financial trouble. And also hear about the power of sharing your financial status with your team. And if you are in financial trouble, you're not alone. Please keep in mind that you can email me, carm at remarkableresults.biz, for anything at all. I'd be more than happy to help in any way and point you towards some help. Great panel today as we uh, we talk about these financial challenges. Tom Ham is here from Autocentric in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Hello, Tom. Morning. Well, he's not really in Grand Rapids. Uh, you're in <laughs> Fort Myers, am I right? Cape Coral. That's right. I'm sorry, Cape Coral. I've been to the place, by the way, just to the... <laughs> yes, you have. In order to get the Cape Corals, I had to go to... I think I had to go through Fort Myers, right? Yes, you did. 
Always a great hospitality back then. Thank you so much, Tom. Andy Masol is with us from Detroit Garage in Farmington, Michigan. The only guy who's going to, what, you're hanging out in the cold with me, right? That's right. Great. Multi-shop owner. Um, how many stores you have now? So we have five stores total and all Metro Detroit area. And beautiful places, by the way. Anyone wants to go out and check out Detroit garage on the web you'll find a great company and then john long is with us from shirts automotive in shirts texas hello john good morning good afternoon everyone hey glad to have you here thanks for hanging out with me at apex and uh, actually helping when we moved our studio from the studio to the uh, actual um, presentation for that uh, town hall that we did we know that financial challenges um is sits with each and every shop owner and Frankly, I have to say that the people who are with me right here, the shop owners, have probably come from the deepest, darkest holes of hell up to where they currently are today. And if I'm wrong, just stop me in my tracks. But there isn't a shop owner that I know and any small business person, for that matter, who has not faced their own personal challenges when they may have entered the business and not necessarily known much about it, but were passionate about being a cookie maker or uh, a babysitter, or maybe even an auto mechanic. And they say, I can do this. One of the themes of the show is really to help people figure out how to accelerate their success, because this is what we, we talk about all the time. And I I want to tell you that this show is an owner's perspective, and we're going to have the same identical title next week, and we're going to have three business coaches on with us to give us their perspective as they work with shop owners to make uh, make all the big changes. So Andy, I want to go to you first. And and by the way, we've got some great topics to talk about that have been submitted by my panel. Different challenges at different stages of life, Andy. Um, you know, you remember in your early days, you know, in bootstrapping the business, you, you worked in it with your dad though, didn't you? That's right. So my first store, I just kind of groomed into, grew up in the business uh, with my father, but we did go through a major expansion in 2012. So um, that's what I mean about different challenges at different stages. And through going and doubling the size of the business, his business in 2012 to in 2014, being encouraged to go out on my own and start my own facility. And that's where the real bootstrapping uh, came in. I may have taken for granted the uh, easier start that I had because of my father's previous 30 years of efforts. Well, there's a great, great lesson. We have a shop and we want to do our second branch and we think, well, you know, I'm good at this. I think I can do it. And I've talked to so many shop owners that did the second store. A bunch of them have told me I closed it because I had to regroup. <laughs> I lost so much. One guy told me he lost like a hundred grand in ten years on his second store, and finally he says, "I think I'm going to have to close it." And then he totally started from scratch after he didn't seem to have enough time to learn what the heck happened. Yeah, and when opening up, uh, you know, a second store or going on to your third or whatnot, each one of the stores has to be fully able to run on its own without you being there at all um, from a management standpoint. And from a financial standpoint, you definitely want to make sure that you have enough of a cushion to weather the storm. 
And that goes into one of the other points I wanted to bring up was making a plan and then working the plan. Be very realistic, be very conservative in your estimates, you know, and set yourself up to succeed because it's no fun being uh, running things too tight and being under a gun. That's where too much unnecessary stress comes from. And you could also put yourself and bury yourself in debt, right, Tom? There's there's so much to the financial. On, on one hand, it's it, it's simple, but it's not easy on getting things right. Um, uh, the debt thing is a big a big factor, uh, probably the biggest factor. Uh, we really uh, got into Dave Ramsey in the early days before anybody knew who in the world this guy was, and uh, that helped us. Uh, it helped us a lot and get the attitude right. Uh, some of the biggest things you get to overcome is you need to overcome uh, the people around you and especially your family have to be on the same page because if they're not on the same page as far as uh, financial, how you spend money, debt, and everything else, it's going to be a constant battle uh, trying, to, trying to make any progress. You bring up a great point. Let's try as much as we can. You know, Tom, you're a single store owner. John, so are you. I know going to multi-store probably next year. And Kurt, uh, I'm sorry, Andy is already at multiple stores. For the majority of this conversation, let's just talk about a single store and the lessons there. Because the Uh degree of uh, ownership and or listenership that, that the podcast has Although we have a lot of multi-shop owners that are fans and listeners of the show, I want to try to build this from a little, from the ground up. So a couple of the challenges that that happens in a small business is, and John, I'm going to ask you this question, uh, there's always some new tech coming out and you want to buy that. And, you know, do you find yourself getting in trouble because the finances aren't there, but you think you need to have this in order to grow the sales of the business? Oh, most definitely. You definitely have to factor that in. Um, you know, earlier this year, we we knew we wanted to to buy some extra stuff, but we just didn't weren't in a position at that point in time. So we have to budget for it to where we can get it on later on. Um, but yeah, the tech is nowadays is is growing like there's no tomorrow. So you always have to have a plan, like Andy was saying, to have a plan and stick to it to try and procure these additional tools that you need. Hey, team, think back to when you all started. I'm asking this question. Usually I don't ask a a global question to everyone, but he just brought up something great. I got to have this. I need this. Uh, Cash management is crap. I I don't get it. I mean, I was a techno. I'm a shop owner, and now there's no money left. What did I do wrong? I mean, any of you in that position in the past, and if you have, how do we tell our listener how to overcome or have some kind of budget or restraint? Yeah, I, I think that's an issue probably is a, a more of a disease with technicians than it is with other people. Uh, I never really had that disease. They make it, so I need one, uh, regardless of what it is. Uh, we just never got there. We, we always had a fairly conservative approach to, uh, uh, to buying equipment and tools. Uh, I didn't always have to have the latest thing as long as we... Uh, as long as we could do the job, we were good. One thing that's fun when you get later down the road, you get to be the you know the old guy like me, and you've been working this uh, conservative with the with the money a little bit. Is you know nowadays my guys know that if they tell me that we need something and anything under you know if it's under a thousand dollars, they're going to have it the next morning. Uh, it just it's that simple because the cash is there. 
Uh, bigger stuff takes a little bit longer, but uh, not that much longer. Uh, we just, uh, we have the funds ready to go so we can get whatever we need whenever we need it. Yeah, but, you know, he just said a, a mouthful. We have the funds ready to go. Yes, sir. Is that Disney? Is that magic? How does that work? No, that's just, uh, you know, it's the simplicity of it. If, you're, if your income is 100000 and you live at 105, 110 level, there's a problem. If you live at a 90 level, you'll always have extra money. It's no more difficult than that. You spend less than what you take in. <laughs> it's a very simple concept, but uh, very hard to do. Uh, that, that's why you got to get the family on board. Andy, did your dad give you any great lessons of, you know, conservatism and profitability as you were growing up in the business? Well, my father has a little bit of a different approach than what Tom has on it. And I'll give some thanks due to both my father and to Tom, because when I started getting into the management side of the business, um, my father was in a business management group, a 20 group with Tom, and we both still are, you know, to this day. And that's where a lot of the vision, you know, of how to manage a business and my whole brain has always operated, um, fiscally in the auto repair business based off of a composite. So you're blaming Tom and your dad for your success. <laughs> well, blaming and thanking at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. But in having the composite, you know, you, I'm a big believer of you can't manage what you can't measure. So you have to be able to measure all these individual buckets. And I took information from Tom's group, my father's shop, as well as many other shop owners that I knew. And Put everything into a budget, you know, where you can base things off of a percentage of sales or a percentage of gross profit. And then you build all of these different containers, you know, or buckets in your QuickBooks and you basically set budgets for them. So like when the tooling question comes by, all of my stores have budgets. It's up to the technicians of what they want to purchase, just as Tom indicated. And if they want several different items, they can look at what's left in their piggy bank and prioritize it. And usually they're much more conservative than, you know, what the shop owner may be just to pull the trigger and buy everything. Cause I think Tom and I know someone who likes to do that as well. Oh, we might. Uh, what did, Andy, that, that system you described, what did they used to call that in the old days? Do you know? I bet Carm does. The 20 group or? No, the money system you just described. I don't know. We put the money in jars. It was a budget. Well, no, it was called the envelope system. Right. Uh, jars, envelopes. Very right. basic. And I, I can remember I can remember in the uh, 50s and 60s, I, I can remember my dad getting his paycheck and uh, and he would go down to the bank and cash it. Uh, literally, it would all be in bills. And then he'd come back home and there are envelopes in the drawer and the money went in the envelopes. And that's how that's how you did things back then. And, and, and what Andy just described is the exact same thing. It's just the 2019 version of it. Uh, and it works extremely well. It did then and it does now. Well, it goes back to the, uh, we've done some shows on Profit First with uh, Arthur McCullowitz, and uh, it's no different than that. It's Although we don't have these little buckets of, you know, 20s hanging out in a little jar somewhere mentally, it's we have accounts set up and we move cash around so that we have a general fund, but the general fund has only in it what you can spend because every other obligation has been taken care of. And I think for any new shop owner, um, no matter if it's profit first or just listen to our wise shop owners here that realized, hey, there, there needs to be a way that you have to budget. 
there's issues here, guys. There's issues here of growing sales. There's issues here of controlling expenses. Uh, there's issues here of charging enough. Tom, what can you tell a shop owner who's struggling here on a little bit of discipline on charging enough? It's interesting, the fact if you get a, a group of shop owners together, I'm not exactly sure if it's split 50-50 down the middle, but you do get two different kinds of shop owners, two different kinds of people in general. One of them you tell to go, their labor rate needs to go up $10, and they hop on their computer, and before you finish the sentence, they did it. And they don't think anything of it. And then there's the other kind that are go, oh, my God, I can't do that. And, it, and it, it's just a, uh, it's kind of a mindset uh, it's the way, I don't know, the, the way your mind works. Uh, but uh, it's so critical that you charge enough. If the, if the key numbers, if, if the key gross profit numbers aren't making it, and, and you look at it and you say, well, the costs are about right, you verify that, then you've got to increase the prices. And it depends, depends on the market, depends on the person. Uh, if you need some guys to get $10, do it the next day. Uh, some guys do it over 10 months at a dollar a month. And, and both ways work. Uh, you know, ultimately in the end, uh, one's just quicker, but you got to raise it. You've got to overcome uh, the, the mental obstacles if that's an obstacle in your mind and get the system in place, raise the prices. If, if the customers go away, if some of them go away, the ones that go away are at the bottom end. You're not making any money on them anyway. So you're, you're not going to lose, uh, especially if you do it slowly. Nobody will know the difference hardly. John, any uh, great wise words on... Uh raising uh, labor rates at all? You got to overcome that fear uh, and just do it. Um, because in other words, you're not going to be able to afford the things that you need to do. You're not going to be able to afford to pay your techs a higher wage to keep them employed and stop them from going to another industry where they can make more money or don't have to have the tooling that we have to have. Um, you're not going to be able to buy the next latest and greatest tool if you don't raise your rates and are at an affordable level to where you can make a profit to afford these things. Somebody that go into business say, okay, listen, I have sales and then I have all my expenses and look what I have left. And what people fail to remember is that there's another step in there called gross profit. And, and that is a factor of so many things, you know, what you actually charge for labor, what you make on your parts and how efficient that, you know, your team and your people are for the hours that you're spending. And that gross profit number is where all the bills are paid from. Can I say that one more time? <laughs> it's where all the bills are paid from, gross profit. So raising a labor rate or improving a margin matrix, for example, uh, are, you know, is extremely critical. And then let's, I don't want to get into you know, average repair order and all the other stats that are you know, up on top of that, up in, in near the, the sales factoring. But those are the struggles today that I think are the challenges that many of our younger shop owners, uh, five, even five years in, figured, hey, this is going to be easy. I'm really a good wrench. Andy, you probably had that, even though you grew up in the business and you probably grew up as a tech, you figure it can't be that hard to run the business. You, you can overcomplicate some different things, but a lot of business owners um, especially technician turns business owners manage the success of their business strictly by their bank account balance. And if there's money in there and it's growing, they think they're doing well. If it's in there and it's depleting, they think that they're not doing well. And that's a good overall, you know, at the end of the day, but you have to know how you got there and there's just so much more to it. So 
a lot of what it is that I've done, the mechanical mind in me that I've taken and applied towards business as well as management leadership. Um, to me, one of the most useful things is just reverse engineering it. So if you look at what it is, you know, it's just like you said, profit first. This is what we need to do at the end of the day. And then you work backwards from there. And that lets you help to logically, you know, and uh, figuratively set certain amounts, you know, uh, working backwards to see how much should I charge? Well, a lot of that's based off of what do you have to pay for talent in your different areas? And if you know that this is the cost of competent labor in your area and you need to make a 70, 72% gross profit margin on it, well, then that gives you what your target effective labor rate needs to be. Do you live off of a budget or a plan, Andy? Personally or business? <laughs> I push my budgets a little bit. That was a very good question to my question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really like that. Okay, here's my answer. Yes. So business more so than personally. Um, you know, business-wise, everything's all based off of our budget. And we do have a full-time controller who has been a saving grace to some of our financial management because as we've grown and have multiple locations, she keeps a very firm pulse on on all those different areas. But uh, we started our budget planning um, at the beginning of the month for next year. And every category we know, we pull all of our individual employees and ask them what their goals are. Their goals have to correspond with the individual location goals. And then we work backwards from there. You know, this is where we want to be. Can we do it? Can we grow it? And what type of budgets do we need to spend to get there? Will your people see the budget or get an idea of what you're planning? Yeah, we run very open books and a very open culture of our business. And she, the controller, will meet one-on-one -on -one with every employee and basically does a little bit of financial 101 with all of them because a lot of um, people within this industry struggle with that. And we try to be very realistic. And that's part of our company culture is to coach and help them not just to succeed in their job environment, but to succeed at life. That's a good point. If you decide to do something, uh, get involved in something like Dave Ramsey, uh, we've had over the years, if you get an employee who who uh, gets into the Dave Ramsey financial peace thing and the light bulb goes off and they catch on, you're going to have a way better employee because they're no longer going to be broke. They're going to have money. Uh, one comment I want to make real quickly, we were talking about prices, and I, I learned this in some management class, it had to be 25, 30 years ago, and, and it always sticks with me, is rarely do businesses go out of business because they charged too much. I, just try to find an auto repair shop or somebody who knows of an auto repair shop that went out of business because their prices were too high. And that doesn't mean raise your prices to the sky. That isn't the point. But it's when their prices are too low. That's why they go out of business. I just want to make sure put point that out. Hey, Carm here. Now think about your shop management system. Isn't it the center of your business? And most of us are running on systems that are decades old, and you know who you are. It's time to change and get the benefits that a modern system can bring to your business. Shopware Shop Management is a cloud-powered management system that gives your staff and your customers the end-to-end -end digital experience that they expect. With Shopware, you can see every job and view work updates in real time and you can manage your shop from anywhere with any device 
and that's becoming more important than ever. You'll see your customers interact with digital work orders and buy services from you more often with less effort. You can earn more parts profit with just the click of one button and with less paper, too. You'll also get improved efficiency from your staff. Do this. Request a live tour of Shopware at shop-ware.com. Look, it's time to make the switch and get started making more money with a powerful modern business tool designed to solve your biggest challenges. Carm here with Adam Christmas, customer service group leader here at Jasper Engines. Hi. Hi, Carm. Adam, any great stories of exceptional customer service in the last six months that you'd be willing to share? Well, I think that one story comes to mind. A longtime associate of ours, family member, had purchased a product and had contacted me uh, because they were having some troubles out of town. As it turned out, it wasn't even our product that that had failed, but we were able to get them to one of our preferred installers, get them the help that they needed, and get them back on the road. And got a got a thank you later from from the daughter because of how great that was handled. Kind of like Nordstrom's level of service. Yeah. Uh, again, it's the most important thing. Uh, if you don't have customers, you, you don't have anything else. How long have you been here at Jasper? Been here a little over 13 years. I love it. Uh, it's, it's a great company. There's so many things that Jasper offers the associates that other companies can't or won't. It's, it's just a great place to be. Hey, thank you, Adam. A member of the 100% associate-owned company at jasperengines.com. Well, you know, if you've done your math and you've you've torn apart your expenses and uh, you realize that your marketing or the draw that you have in your market for current to keep current business and to grow new business is good, then raising a margin on parts and or labor could be a major factor in the profitability of your company. Agree, John? Oh, I highly agree. Um you know, that, that's something you've got to look at. You know, it's, I just got a note from another owner that, that I talked to quite a bit, you know, is empathy is good, but sometimes we have this empathy that we want to save the customer some money. But that's not always a good thing because it's not good for us. Um, so we, we have to be able to have, make a good profit on our parts and our, on our labor and still, you know, be able to, to do the things that we need to do, you know, in the future. Um, you know, buy the other equipment and, and so forth on that, that ends. Um, but you just can't want to always help the customer out just because you feel sorry for them and not charge more, not charge what you need to charge, what you have to charge what you're worth. Hey guys, thank you so much. The, the, the purpose of this, this show, and remember, I'm going to have business coaches on next week, uh, same topic financial challenges to overcome from an owner's perspective. Um, you guys got budgets? Yes, we have budgets. You, got, you have to have budgets. You can't survive without them. Um, just going back to the envelope system, that's exactly what it is. Uh, in does, but does a budget in an envelope system happen after, oh my God, few years of losses and I have no money and I'm about ready to go under? It could in some cases. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, but yeah, you definitely have to have a budget, you know, uh, you know, just like Andy was saying as well, you have to budget your tools and go to these guys. Okay. We have this, uh, this amount in the tool budget. What do you need? How much is it going to cost? Is, is it a more or less than what, what's in there at the moment? Well, there's the big takeaway right here. 
what do you mean there's a tool budget? You mean I just can't buy something off the tool truck and then, you know, in every week and just keep signing for something? And then I'm, what am I paying? 400 bucks a week? Uh, and I'm talking from an owner's perspective, not not a technician's. Oh, my God, a technician would be even worse to think about that. And, you know, having their own personal budget. And budgets are good. And, and if you've got a really good financial system, trust me, there's a line item there called budget. Use it. Is that is that the is that the recommendation here, everyone? You know, your budget needs to be very in depth. So, you know, just even having something that just says tools, you know, a lot of times isn't enough. You know, you need hard tools, maintenance of existing equipment, new allocation, you know, technology, really breaking that stuff all down. And as I was mentioning, you know, how our system is and the different categories and classifications and QuickBooks and like the envelope system, you know, it's literally everything has to go in one of those envelopes. You know, there is a miscellaneous, but you, it's like last resort to ever use it. And uh, I think when the piece of advice that I could give is so many people look at a budget of uh, just as a savings account, you know, saving for tools and equipments, but your budget really should be every aspect of your business, every dollar flowing in and out, you should have a good idea of what that's going to be and work towards it. Yeah. In a perfect world, ideally you should, uh, and, and, and look at every one of those every month. Now at the other end of the spectrum, you do have the people out there who say, I hate math. If you say budget to me, I might slap you. I don't <laughs> want to hear about it. It just isn't, isn't my thing. And there was a, a very successful shop owner, uh, on the East coast, uh, a number of years ago, explained to me how his profit and his budget work. And uh, I, I, I use this every once in a while, especially with the people who hate math. And he said, it's the 25, 25, 25, 25 budget. And basically he says, you can allow about 25% of your, of your income for payroll, another 25% for expenses, another 25% for parts. And that leaves me with 25%. Very oversimplified, very oversimplified, but if you stick within those parameters, and of course they bump up, you know, maybe it's 23, 27, whatever. If you stick within that general parameter, if you want a starting point for a budget, you never had one before, that one will work extremely well. And then you can get in, in depth as you learn, like, like Andy was describing. And, you know, Tom's point is great. I mean, it would be, wow, 25% net operating income would be, you know, that, that would be the top elitist in our industry. And I, I think some of our biggest and best are in, in the low 20s. But Wrong it's very, right. very doable. Yes, it, it is. It's very doable regardless of where you are. I yeah. agree. It is doable, but you, you have to start somewhere. Um, and you have to start with a budget, you know, whether it be something very simple like Tom just mentioned, um, you definitely have to start somewhere. You just can't always, oh, there's money in the bank account. Let's go spend it on whatever. You, you can't do that. In other words, you're going to end up in trouble. Yeah, absolutely. Let's call the big takeaway at this moment in time on this podcast episode is budgeting and the profit first concept. And it doesn't matter if it's Dave Ramsey or if it's, you know, Mike McCullowitz. It's that you 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 can only spend, you can only spend what you take in that you as long as you've allocated to um, the government, to the employee, to yourself, and you know, too many people get into trouble, and then for years they're paying back to the government at I don't know does the government charge usurious rates? I think they do. <laughs> yes, they do. <clears throat> yes, they do. So good credit, 
and banking relationships, Andy, are probably uh, important uh, once you get your business rocking and rolling and you want to grow? Yeah. And, you know, I agree with um, Tom's mentality of the no debt, you know, lifestyle, but I've been pretty aggressive in my growth and I wouldn't be able to do it without good banking relationships. So debt to me doesn't doesn't make me nervous, um, but you have to be able to manage that debt. It's easily, it's easy to get into um, an uncontrolled debt, but if you know your numbers and know where you want to go, and for me, every individual location, every business has to survive on its own. So uh, with that being said, a lot of my growth I've had to have funded, but each facility is successful on its own for accomplishing its its work. Andy, a question about debt. If I had trouble paying my bills, just my parts bill, maybe some utilities this month, it's not smart to want to borrow to do that. I mean, you're talking about having debt <laughs> yeah. to grow. Am I right? I'm talking about having debt to grow, correct. If you have the inability to pay your parts suppliers, as well as your utilities, you know, you have core fundamental problems that need to have attention first. Yeah. And, and let, you know, let me define it a little bit. There, there's different, I, I guess you could say there's different uh, levels of Dave Ramsey. There's light and medium and heavy or whatever you want to call it. And uh, we don't quite go all the way either. Uh, the, the two things with that, if you are going to borrow money, you know, obviously can you service the debt is one question, but, uh, two good conditions. If it's an appreciating asset, that's much more something that you can consider. Uh, depreciating assets that generate no income are, are a ridiculous way to borrow money. It's just, that makes no sense at all. And uh, the other one is return on investment. Do we have something that we can prove has a pretty good return on investment coming? And, and we're, we're confident. I mean, you can't be, you know, assured of everything, but we're reasonably confident, a little bit of risk there. And not, not the return on the investment that the salesman wrote out for you, but one that you created yourself and research. Uh, those are two things where it's, it's reasonable to, uh, to borrow money uh, in those situations. Uh, if you restrict it to that, odds are you'll be in real good shape. You're just not going to get in trouble. You have to look at the the risk of investment versus the reward. Um, debt can be a good thing in a way, you know, if you're using it the right way. You know, like I said, if you're using it for your daily expenses, that's obviously very, very bad. But, you know, if you're using it to try and expand your business, yeah, debt can be decent long as you have your parameters set and know what you can do with it and make sure that you're going to be able to, to service the debt. Okay, guys, I'm in trouble. I uh, I probably have five months worth of bills that that I, that are coming due. Possibly utilities may get turned off. My parts guy, the one's cut me off. The next one's ready to shut me down. I'm in really bad shape here. You're telling me don't even think of borrowing a dime to get yourself up and out, but go to the people that you owe money to and say, I need a plan. So do I use any of my own personal equity or my own personal cash to bail myself out, or do I go to the, my debtors and work this thing out over a six to nine month period? Your recommendation? Actually, I'd say probably step one is let's get an accountability partner. Let's get somebody who knows how to handle money, and you can talk to them daily, weekly, however often, so they can say, okay, what did we do with it this week? And uh, then we can go to the uh, uh, the 
the debtors, uh, you know, creditors well, and so forth. You may want to stop the bleeding first, because if you're in that type of a uh, financial predicament, you know, there's some immediate things you need to stop. I don't know what to know. do. I don't know what to do. I'm, I I can't even sleep at night. I, I just go in in the morning. Life spins around me. I can't even think straight. What do I do? Tom's recommendation is you need someone to, you know, to put you somewhere to, to either, you know, plant you somewhere in the ground and start watering you so that you reblossom yourself. I think we tend to be afraid to do that, but you'd find out in most situations that uh, that that person that you'd like to you'd like to contact would be more than happy to help you. Yeah, they're they're. they're you know, they'd love to help you. It helps themselves by doing something like that. It's good exercise for themselves. And uh, like Andy said, you got to stop the bleeding. If you look at things, you can really shut down a lot of stuff real fast, especially in situations where, where there's money bleeding everywhere. Uh, and maybe it's confusing to you, and, and that person can go over with the, the mess with you and say, okay, let's shut this off, shut this off, shut this off, reduce this. And they can help you see the way and give you some guidance. Yeah, I agree. You got to find somebody, and then you got to be willing to open up to them and share them everything. You can't just, you know, share just little bits and pieces. You have to share everything to them um, so they can help you. Family has to be on board. Uh, you know, I, I think a big factor with a lot of this, and I made a reference to it earlier. The spouse has to be on board with this. I mean, you got to if you're on different wavelengths as far as the money thing is, uh, you, you're going to have to find out how to fix that somehow, or it just isn't going to work. Boy, how true. So, when you teach, you learn. Oh, amen. Remember that, everyone. There's a big takeaway from this episode. When you teach, you learn. So, if I was in any kind of trouble and I said, Andy, can we have coffee? Because I respect you. I know you're, even if you're from 10 towns over and you're 500 miles away and pick up the phone. Sure. When you teach me, you help reaffirm or confirm what you're doing because you're really teaching me the things that have made you successful or not. Because you're saying, don't do this, do that. Yeah. There's a lot of resources that are out there, you know, especially if um, you're struggling that bad and having that you need to be humble enough to know that you don't know something, you know, and seek out somebody who will. And I've seen a lot of this lately within social media groups for technicians and shop owners. You know, there's people that just throw a flag up for help and you'll see all the people that are just more than willing to donate their time and to help, you know, a fellow colleague get things back on. And that's really where I learned. You know, I say my master's degree in automotive education was from uh, being in automotive 20 groups. And it was different peers and shop owners like Tom and like others from Michigan as well as around the country that were willing for their own benefit as well as for others' benefit to share what's done them well. Yeah, the, the, and you emphasize it nicely, Carmen. I, I remember when I first learned that uh, years, I don't remember who said it, but they said that in a classroom, in a teaching situation, the person in the room who learns the most is the teacher. And the first time you hear that, you go, huh? But, and then if you've, if you've taught a few classes, which I've done over the years, you really understand what that, how that all works. Mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 it does work really, really well. Uh, and the, the, uh, the, the, uh, the peer group thing, like Andy refers to, they're, they're just priceless. 
uh, one of the biggest pluses that a peer group can have is bring in a couple of new green guys who aren't doing all that well. Because all those other people in the group are going to learn and really get a boost in their abilities by helping these new guys find their way there. I want to make a note about social media, a caveat, if you will. I've seen some stuff come out on um, very quick replies to a struggling shop owner's plea, if you will. Hey, this is going on. I'm struggling. And you, there's an immediate answer from someone. And I come to find out that <clears throat> it's not a really good shop and the dog's... You know, it's it's a really, really, really bad shop and an individual is giving advice to someone who purely is looking for a way to lift themselves up and out. So I know many of the social groups have policed themselves over the years and are really looking for, you know, quality people to give quality responses. And the only thing I want to be careful with is that if, if I posted something on social media, I'm waiting to find the answer that makes me happy, <laughs> that that's the... That, oh, Okay, I'm doing that. I'm fine then. And they continue to go downhill. Sometimes the the best advice you can get is the, the advice that's going to push you, hurt you, put you out of your comfort zone. And, 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 that's, and, and I bet you all three of you have been in a strange comfort zone every once in a while as you've moved, moved toward your success. John, I could almost guess that your partner, Mark, has pushed you in that direction occasionally. Oh, just a little bit. Not too much. But that's the only way you grow is getting outside of your comfort zone. Um, and you you have to be willing to do that. And if you're not willing to do that, then you're going to struggle. And you're, and you're going to fall behind everybody else um, if you don't get out of your comfort zone and be willing, you know, to, to grow. We could go on for probably, you know, a couple of hours because you've got a lot of great wisdom. You've been there and done that. And I'm sure if when I read your biography someday, there will be those first few chapters of leanness. Uh, maybe not necessarily you, um, John, you've got a partner that has helped you through um, your dad, Andy, started the business, but then you've got a great success story of going out and, and you know, getting bruised up on your very own and growing a great, great business. And Tom, your your business is so legacy that you probably forgot when you started, you see. And so, and, and best to all of us that we didn't know what your scars looked like in the beginning, but everyone has them. And, and that's what this show is really about, is bringing wisdom uh, of the ages here for everyone to learn as we talk about financial challenges to overcome an owner's perspective. So I'll give each of you a, a final word to share with our audience. John, I'll start with you. If you're struggling, you're not alone. Ask for help. There's people out there that are willing to help and be open to what they have to say and just step outside of your comfort zone, just like what we talked a couple minutes ago about. Um, you know, just ask for help. There's plenty out there. Uh, by the way, I get requests weekly. Uh, private me message Facebook or karm at remarkableresults.biz and I do a little matchmaking when people are struggling and what area of town are you in and you know based on my networking and connections in the industry I put people together and and you know it's not like I'm putting coaches together and we're it's not it's just that someone wants someone to talk to and uh, and there's an awful lot of struggling shop owners that don't know that raising their hand is not a sign of weakness, is actually a sign of strength.
Andrew, I'll give you your final word. Just to not let finances scare you. You know, most of the shop owners that I know and that I've dealt with, you know, we were car guys that did well at fixing cars and turned into business owners. But I don't consider myself a financial wizard by any means. Um, But you just have to put a plan in place, put it on paper, and then be diligent enough to work that plan. Um, And one of the pieces that I wanted to throw in at the end was, you know, the money pitfalls. You know, you can't just keep track of what you want to keep track of. You got to keep track of everything. The cracks can become very big where all your profits will just fall through them. So when you're looking at items, make sure you're looking at effective labor rate. Um, your effective labor cost, make sure that you're charging enough money and then looking at your expenses to make sure they're not eating up all that's left of your pie. You have to be profitable enough to, you owe it to your customers to charge them enough so that way you'll be there when they need you next. Very important point. So so here's a, here's a follow-up question for you. Oh, wow, cool. Uh, what were all those things you just said? Effective what? How do I have to measure this stuff? And so I want to say that the great business coaches that we have in our industry are there to help. But the forums that we have on social can help. But be careful where you're getting your information. You just don't want to get information from someone who just wanted to always be a coach but really isn't a good operator, so they don't mesh. Be very, very careful where you're getting your information. And I still think the the, the, the coaching world that we have in our industry there are so many great coaches that can help you get where you want without, uh, you know, by by having uh, almost a money-back guarantee. And I'm not sure how the business coaches run their businesses, but there's an awful lot of you out there that have had a great coach that has helped you out. And, uh, and maybe there's some connectivity that you can make through social media to find someone that can help you. And you know what? It goes back to the old E-Myth story. Hey, I was the greatest technician in the world. I'm going to open up my business and... Now they're back working, turning wrenches for somebody because they fail to understand the business side of the business. And it is, it is, it is harder than wrenching, in my opinion. You, you guys agree or disagree? Oh, absolutely. In different ways, yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that. I will. Yeah. I will. Thank you very much. And you're right. To be a diagnostician, an A-tech today, um, I can't even imagine the information that they have to store and how all that works. And uh, I so, so respect our our working technicians in our industry. Tom, I'll give you the last word. Yeah, uh, you asked us to, of course, uh, have three points to our sermon today. Uh, and we covered two, but we, I'm going to try to cover the third one real briefly. Uh, one, one of the things that's most difficult uh, is contentment. In our materialistic society, you see all the uh, stuff around us. Uh, you see the guy with five shops like Andy and you know, we want all that extra stuff. And that's one of the things that can get us in trouble. It's critical that you're content with where you are simultaneously aggressively trying to go forward, but you're not disappointed because you didn't make it. Uh, and that, that will help so much as far as with your, your, your staff, your management, your employees, your family, uh, are you content? And if you're not, you need to figure that out. Or the rest is always going to be a challenge. Is that an oxymoron? I mean, you're saying content but aggressive, content but aggressive. Or you're saying that if you can have a little bit of both and you could balance it, then you've got good makings for, you know, a success pathway? 
Absolutely. And I think you'll see some of the people who are really, uh, if you see the, the ultra wealthy people, we can name some of them, but I'll pass, uh, who, who really seem to be pretty happy with what they're doing. And, and they, have, uh, they have massive amounts of money. And you also see them aggressively trying to get more. And that's just because it's a game to them. It's a game. They're having fun. Uh, they enjoy it. But they're perfectly content with where they are. If they if they lose at the game, then we'll try another day. But we're, we're good with where we are. And if we never get any more money, we're okay with where we are now, too. Are we built for that kind of game, our industry, our, our entrepreneurs? Well, we don't learn in the culture. The culture doesn't tell us that. And that, that's why I want to make sure I brought it up. <laughs> as It really helps as far as running a business if you can do those two things side by side. Hey, guys, thank you so much. John Long from Shirts Automotive and Shirts Texas. Tom Ham, Autocentric Grand Rapids, Michigan, and Andy Missal, Detroit Garage, Farmington, Michigan. Guys, we'll uh, we'll do uh, the bookend next week. We'll have the bu- three business coaches here, and uh, we'll we'll see what they have to say about top financial challenges to overcome. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time.